music. Hello and welcome to Apocalypse Music, the podcast, with me, Hermione Kello, and me, Pia Scattergood. For those of you who don't know us, we are two recent music graduates from the University of Cambridge, currently trying to navigate the new musical landscape, which has become rather apocalyptic of late due to COVID-19. Join us as we discuss everything from current affairs to new music and music news. And for anyone listening who's also trying to make things happen at the moment, whether it's composing, listening, performing, curating, we want to hear from you. Talk to us about your musings and get involved with the conversation. Hello and welcome back to episode three of Apocalypse Music, the podcast. Pia, how are you doing? I'm very tired. (laughs) I'm also tired. Finally at the end of term. And they did a bit of carol singing last night. So needless to say, that was followed up by a little pub trip. Lovely. Um, so feeling a little bit tender today. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of the opposite because I've just been at the gym all the time, making the most of having an office space again. Um, but also I do think I've just exhausted myself by walking and running and doing too many classes. And now I'm just in a hole. You've been keeping yourself very busy and very active. I, for one, have not, so very (laughs) impressed by you. it is good to be finally out of lockdown. Woo! Woo! Out of lockdown. (laughs) Although, as you realised at the pub, it's not actually that different. It was an experience. Um, So I did some carol singing with some Guildhall performers yesterday, which was great. And we went to the pub in groups of six, sat outside... Uh, wanted a quick drink, ended up having a little meal as well, which was great. But you know, you can have a main or two sides. And me being the student that I am, requested the two cheapest sides and the <laughs> cheapest gin and tonic possible. What did you have, like two bowls Classic. of soup? <laughs> I had garlic bread and chips. <laughs> which for someone who's on a diet, <laughs> not great, but... Oh, the carbs really hit the spot, I've got to say. So that was great. It was quite dry, but <laughs> it was great. Um, I still haven't been to the pub since lockdowns ended, which is odd. I think it's because it ended like midweek as well. So I've been walking past pubs on an evening walk and like they've all just been empty anyway because everyone's just busy. But the funny thing is, I don't know if you're the same, my tolerance definitely gone down. Oh, yeah, I could have two glasses of wine in the evening and then wake up hungover. It's insane. To be fair, though, it's very conducive to a student budget. This is true. Cheap night out. (laughs) So we are both feeling rather tired because it's been a long year. But we have a little playlist in the making, which is going to make everything better. Yes, we have a playlist which we have been working on. And I'm not going to lie, it's definitely been making my days a lot better. I mean, I can stick this playlist on when I'm, like, at my worst and I'll immediately be back on a beach, listening to Stevie Wonder, feeling great. And it's been working very well on, like, buses, when I've been walking. I feel like that's my entire life right now, just being on buses and walking. But either way, it's great. It's really energising. I think it's really revitalising as well. I mean, I've been writing some more classical music this week and a lot of it's been very existential, very pensive, but I'm starting to write things now because I think summer is in sight somewhere. Mm. A post-COVID 
if we can possibly talk of a post-COVID <laughs> landscape, but that seems to be somewhere in the near future. And that's getting me through and I'm writing things that are, I'd say quite sprightly, quite lively, exciting. And maybe that's been inspired by this playlist, actually. Mm. I mean, I think going through the playlist and actually curating it and remembering all of those songs, but also remembering the memories that came with those songs. A lot of them are from like coach trips that I remember singing them on, nights out. I think it does, listening to music like that, with that nostalgia definitely really helps to look to a future and envision a brighter world. Some of the tracks which are more upbeat do definitely transport me to somewhere like a club, somewhere where people are dancing and you can you can feel yourself being up against loads of bodies in a room, being quite hot, sweaty, like dancing. That sort of vibe is really surreal because it, it feels so far away and so distant. Um, mm. And a lot of the tracks actually remind me of Cindy's, which will be oh God. A familiar, <laughs> familiar to those in the audience who live in Cambridge or possibly went to university in Cambridge. A nightclub which, sadly, is closing down. Or probably, from my opinion, not so sadly closing down. I was never a fan. It's not due to COVID, though, is it? I think it's No, it's of... because it's a rubbish club. That's why. <laughs> Redevelopment. Maybe I'm just really cynical today. But yeah, there are lots of happy memories were formed there. Some not so happy memories. <laughs> Some can't even remember at all. But <laughs> uh, we can't really talk about playlists, though, without a brief mention to Spotify Wrapped 2020. Mm. So the franchise which began relatively recently, where Spotify unveil your listening habits, um, your favourite tracks, your favourite artists, uh, the amount of minutes you've listened to. And so, Hermione, I'd be very curious to hear who is on your Spotify Wrapped 2020. You know, mine was very 1975 orientated, I'm not going to lie. And I think, looking back on it, it's because they were the last gig that I actually went to. And before Mm. I go to a gig, I tend to really binge an artist. And it was quite nice, actually, remembering that I went and saw them in February. I also had some just, like, had that track, Sunday Best, by Surfaces. That came very high up. I realised that I've just been using it constantly whenever I'm in a bad mood. What I find quite interesting about the whole Spotify Unwrapped is actually that we're essentially free marketing for Spotify, but the fact that they're using our data... So they're kind of wrapping up the fact that they're using our data in this really nice shareable like package, essentially, with like how many minutes they've been tracking that we've been using it, all of the how many new genres have you explored. That's actually them using the algorithm to kind of actually work out what we should be listening to more, what major labels music they should stick into our playlists more. I think actually when you look at it like that, it becomes quite an uncomfortable thing, actually. And um, the brilliant Nadine Shah, who's a Mercury Award nominee, she's brilliant. She's actually just posted an article in The Guardian about it, which I'll link below, um, where she talks about how obviously streaming needs to be fixed in that sense, because so many artists this year, with the lack of revenue from live music, have ended up resorting to streams, and actually they're not earning much money from it at all. I mean, one glance at the PRS for Music website will tell you that, you know, just how many minutes of streaming you have to rack up in order to get royalties. It is, 
it's outrageous um but I agree and I think it definitely shows you that you are clogging their machine Mm. um but also I think on social media like a lot of things like a lot of challenges like a lot of things we've seen over the past year they do become a little performative especially in terms of you know who's listened to the most music and who's got the the most stylized playlist or listening habit and all those things and also the amount of people who have posted their top five with the caption I'm so basic ha 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 (laughs) and that's sad because I think we attribute value judgments to specific genres of music so you know top 40 for example like what's what's wrong with top 40 like why why is that basic why why should we be ashamed of that you know music is so personal and we use it in such different ways yeah and I mean, can you imagine tailoring your Spotify listening habits because you know that at the end of the year you're going to have to show everyone? It's actually quite depressing. The funniest thing that I've seen slash experienced is last year when I actually got really excited about it because I wanted to see, you know, this little document of what I've been listening to, my little journey, and my Spotify had been hacked. <laughs> so, so my top five was this was the same artist and it was a Spanish name no idea who they are and it was five songs from this album which I've never heard of never heard of my god and I didn't know this no and well I didn't tell anyone because I felt really sad um I just thought maybe it's come on shuffle when I've been in the shower you know that happens you play Mm. a song and then you think hmm never really heard this before interesting cool Thanks for the recommendation. So I was just so perplexed as to where this came from. (laughs) So our website at apocalypsemusic.co.uk is now fully up and running. You can check it out below. And Hermione, you have been working on something really exciting this week. Tell us a bit more about it. Yeah, we've been part of a brilliant collaboration this week with Southbank Symphonia, who are a really progressive orchestra they have a brilliant digital collaboration coming up with Terralon Media called the Round Chapel Sessions. Um, and they basically, having spoken to them, their idea was that we've all listened to so many live streams now, we've all watched so many pre-recorded concerts, and actually every time you watch those, it feels almost as if something's being taken away from the concert-going experience, because obviously you're just constantly be- being reminded that you're not actually there. So they decided to transform this idea and they got Terralon Media to come in with loads of different cameras and the cameras basically walk around the orchestra, walk through the orchestra, they can get right up to the player's fingers, they can be over their shoulders, right in front of them. And the idea is that you can watch them as if you're part of it, which I think is such a great way of using the digital landscape in a new manner. Um, and I think the players felt that as well. I was lucky enough to chat to a couple of the players, Georgie and James, who were just great. Um, and yeah, it was really enjoyable. Yeah, I think it's it's probably a sentiment that's echoed everywhere that live stream is kind of becoming a bit redundant now. Um, the financial modelling really doesn't work. And as great as it has been from an accessibility point of view, for example, getting new audiences into opera um, via the Royal Opera House's free live streams, um, I think we are moving to a new direction now, which is really exciting, which still incorporates technology, but doesn't feel as much as an artistic compromise, potentially, and allows us to more fully experience these performances, which is amazing, and it's so exciting. 
And one thing that's really exciting to me about the Southbank Symphonia's new project is just how wonderfully diverse the nature of the repertoire is. I mean, that was definitely something I chatted about with them, was that it would have been so easy for them to choose a piece by Mozart and a piece by Beethoven, because obviously there's a certain demographic of people who are just going to click on that, because it's nice to watch talented young players play good music. But actually, there is so much underrepresented music out there that is never played. And so they had, over December, they're going to release three cinematic short films with music by Jesse Montgomery, Cecilia McDowell, Samuel Taylor Coleridge and Sally Beamish. I've actually had the pleasure of meeting Sally before. Uh, I did a composition workshop with her a few years ago and she is just brilliant. She's so direct and so honest about her creative processes. She is the perfect composer to feature in a series like this, which is new and innovative and collaborative and exciting. Mm. And I think something also that was really nice to hear from the players was them saying, yeah, we're playing diverse repertoire, but that's not what we're paying attention to at all, really. What we're paying attention to is it's just really good music. So also this week, we've had the internet going absolutely crazy for this new Phoebe Bridges video for Saviour Complex, which features the inimitable Paul Meskell and also directed by the incredible Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So all around, pretty, a pretty iconic trio, really. Pia, what did you think of it? Two Phoebes working together, what more could you want? Um, I did think it was a bit bizarre. I'm confused. I am confused. Yeah, I mean, Paul, it, again, speaking of apocalypse, um, Paul looked a bit zombie-ish at the beginning, mm. I thought, um, covered in cuts and bruises in this very barren landscape, it's black and white, the picture. So, again, it feels quite cold, desolate. Yeah. It's very wacky, I think, the whole thing. It kind of doesn't really make sense. For anyone who hasn't watched it, they're essentially... It's black and white. They're kind of in near a beach, quite a weird, odd place. It felt a little bit like a horror film setting, almost. Um, and then Phoebe Bridges kind of turns up at different points. But there's also this chihuahua... It's impossible to explain, to be honest. People will have to watch it themselves. And to probably describe just how weird it is, that final scene is Phoebe Bridges sitting next to the Chihuahua, both in capes. Which is interesting and amazing. But I'm also wondering, what is what is going on? What was the story? And they've got all of Paul Meskell's belongings and he's been completely abandoned. So, yeah, I don't know. I suppose what's interesting is that Phoebe Waller-Bridge, to me, is a huge icon. And it's also, I associate her with last year, probably, and being part of a cultural Mm. reset where the Me Too movement, it was a watershed year for the Me Too movement, Mm. I think. And there was this whole cultural reset, this shift of particularly the media industries, film industries, music industry is having to take stock and be like okay this is what we've done wrong in the past this is how we're going to move forward and Paul Mezcal's been part of another cultural reset with the pandemic in 2020 normal people was just all anyone would talk about in was April May earlier this year it was huge it was a huge franchise and I think 
that success was probably contingent upon lockdown and people being you know at home yeah and this romance this really emotional story what i find quite interesting about paul mescal is that his career has started at a time where he can't really go and film a load of films or tv shows because obviously logistically it's just a nightmare at the moment so what has been really interesting is watching him actually do a lot of music videos so he also did scarlet by the rolling stones earlier this year which was just the coolest music video i mean who doesn't want to see paul mescal dancing around drunk getting progressively drunk in his pants in a hotel room (laughs) i mean it was ideal for lockdown and this feels like another perfect lockdown video and i wonder whether coming out of this pandemic whether music videos are going to have play a larger part in young actors careers because it's something that we're able to do socially distanced and do in this kind of condensed period of time a lot easier um and obviously everyone's on the internet so it's the kind of thing that goes viral a lot easier as well so a piece of positive news this week the health secretary matt hancock has announced the approval of a coronavirus vaccine which will result in a summer that everybody can enjoy And hopefully this will give the much needed positive boost to the future of the music festivals in the UK, particularly over the summer next year. Hermione, this is great news for the future of music festivals. Yeah, God, completely fingers crossed, really. I mean, as somebody who wrote an entire dissertation on music festivals in 2020, which has felt quite ironic, really, not getting to go to the festival season last year, I am praying to be able to go back and be in a mosh pit and be a Reading or whatever next year. I guess we've got to think about how they're going to be different though, because I mean, logistically, are we going to have to social distance festivals? Are we going to all have to have positive tests before? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's positive, but also I think there will be massive changes to the way that we go about going to these kind of gigs. I read something recently, um, the Glastonbury founder Michael Evis came out and said that massive testing arrangements could be put in place ahead of Glastonbury Festival owing to the pandemic, which, to be honest, sounds like a good way to go. It will completely change the whole process of going to a festival, the whole experience, but I think it's probably crucial, and at this point we will do anything to Mm. be able to just attend But also, all it would take would be one person. You know, one person in that huge crowd has coronavirus and it's just going to spread like wildfire. So I think the vaccine is really positive um, because hopefully by that point, a lot of people will have had it. Everyone who's vulnerable will have had it. I felt massively jealous when I saw in mid-November pictures emerging from a festival in Taiwan. I think it's called the Ultra Music Festival. Um, 10,000 people attended I saw these pictures oh, it just made me so jealous um, would you go? <laughs> yeah I probably would because apparently they didn't have a single case I feel like if someone yeah if someone paid for me to go and write an article and they gave me a oh, free yeah. ticket I think I'd go oh, it just made me so jealous um, that feeling of being in a live gig, like, waiting for the, the act to come on stage, just being in a crowd, the bars, mm. everyone getting their phones out, people throwing flares <laughs> <laughs> uh, left, right and centre. 
even after a great night, you'd come home to find your tent no longer in, in place, but burnt to the ground, possessions scattered everywhere. You know, there's nothing quite like a festival. I miss everything about festivals. I miss sleeping outside. I miss paying ridiculous extortionate amounts for alcohol. <laughs> I miss... <laughs> I miss buying every single version of mac and cheese that you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, I cannot wait till summer of 2021 if music festivals are there. If not, transport me to 2022. Or Taiwan. Or Taiwan, (laughs) exactly. for listening be sure to check out our website apocalypsemusic.co.uk and email us with any questions or recommendations on apocalypsemusicsite at gmail.com you can find all the links to our social media pages below or on our website so be sure to follow as we have plenty of content on its way and you don't want to miss out Music. 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 Music.